Welcome to the 128 Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy West. Today on the show, two guys who started in a collective doing underground shows and art installations and eventually evolved into who they are today, producing music, touring like crazy uh, to the point of changing their lives. And we'll get into a little bit of that as well. This is Lewis and Michael. Together, this is Autograph. I mean, I feel like you can fudge it a little later. I mean, it won't be perfect, but it's it's a lot harder to do like an entire interview and try to fudge that. Like, I just yeah. have to like use like like at Siri to like say what you guys said over and again. <laughs> um, but yeah, how you guys doing? Um, and, and by the way, this is this is also different for me too because uh, this is the first in this podcast at least that we've done like not just like a one on one thing, like have like two two guests at the same time too. So, oh, wow. um, well, maybe, maybe there'll be less awkward silence. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to play match game later. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I uh, mean, that, that is why we have two people in this group. Yeah. Me and Mike are kind of awkward. So yeah. hopefully when one of us gets awkward, the other one can say something like pick it up. It's good. You can like tag team interviews and stuff. Like do you, you can just like whoever's tired that day can just like take a break and you get lean the other, on the other person. Or sometimes, yeah, with DJ sets. Yeah. One person can show up. <laughs> you can just, uh, you know what's funny? Uh, um, uh, these, uh, you ever heard of Mashton Kutcher from Australia? These guys. Oh, yeah, like Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, they literally showed up uh, to an interview with me, and the other guy was sick and couldn't make the trip to the USA. And, uh, and he just showed up. Just to, like their tour manager just like filled in for him, and I never even knew the difference. I felt oh, stupid wow. afterwards, like figuring it out, like, oh, that's not the guy I interviewed, like you know. But, um, but they just kind of subbed him in, like, like when Batman used to like just have like you know, uh, Alfred dress up like Batman, and it's like that's Batman, but with a mustache. That's hilarious. We, <laughs> we actually did, I guess, something similar to that one time, yeah. Where, um, this is when we first started Autograph. Like no yeah. one knew what Autograph was. And before Autograph, we had this other group called Midnight Conspiracy, which yeah. is big locally in Chicago only. Yeah. And um, like huge following in Chicago. Yeah. So we played this show at Navy Pier, you know, by the lake. It was like rocking and huge. And we're like, you know, Autograph should open up for Midnight Conspiracy. Yeah. Like this can be like a chance. <laughs> that, but no one knows who Autograph is. Yeah. So like I, I pretty much put a disguise on as Autograph. I put like a baseball hat. <laughs> A button-up college shirt, yeah, and then some sunglasses. And I played his autograph. Played Deep Helps music, yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, Midnight Conspiracy. They, they wear like leather jackets. We have long hair, yeah, and all black. And we play like heavy EDM, yeah. And I came out and like just completely different persona and just rocked it. Yeah, that was yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Did, there had to be people in the crowd who kind of knew, right? There had to be like one or two people that are just feel like they're staring at something they're like uh, this am i wrong like just like <laughs> double guessing themselves i don't think so because yeah. the, the clothes Lewis, is pretty Lewis just <laughs> ran back really quick like behind like the led screen and changed clothes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, asian i don't know a lot of people get confused by that so yeah well are you guys are you guys originally like all from chicago yeah 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 i wasn't born and raised there but I feel like my adult life was. Well, it's funny. Like, does is it? It's always gotten that that name of like Second City, but is that a badge of honor or is that? It, it almost it almost it sounds a lot more like calling it Second City would be like a like I don't know, not nice, a nice thing to call it. Well, I mean, the reason they call it Second City is because it burned down. So, like, it's literally the Second City. Oh, is that what it's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here I mean here I think it's like oh it's the second city like you know so other... you're from New York right? exactly you think you're number one. Oh man <laughs> now I really I, I am acting like an elitist New Yorker ain't I yeah. just by saying that oh well I didn't realize that's where the name came from yeah yeah, I, yeah. at least according to the architecture tours I go on there, <laughs> there are, I did not fact check so no but you want to that my tour guide that's actually pretty cool you go on architecture tours or is it just like something you've done once it's like pretty much if you're a tourist in Chicago, like yeah. 
Or if you have family visiting in town, that's what you go do. It's it's really amazing. You get on a boat and it goes down the river usually and you get to see everything. Yeah. That's always the one. I, I've never been to Chicago. I've always flown over it, uh, but I've never gotten a chance to go. But it's always amazed me, um, like the river through the city. And, and like, it, it, it's really beautiful. Like, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super amazing. Like, I forget how, because we, we moved to New York for like a year or two. And then we didn't realize how clean Chicago was yeah. until we moved to New York. We thought all cities were like that. Yeah. And they actually just like revamped the river. So there's like a big river walk with like cafes and stuff now as of like three years ago, which is pretty cool. Although that river used to be pretty toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. Like yeah. Even like eight, eight, seven, eight years ago, I yeah. would go by that river. But now they cleaned it up the last couple of years. Like I kayaked in that river and, and fell in it back in the toxic days. You, yeah, but again, with like with New York to compare, you don't know how toxic water can be until you've like you know hung out by like the East River or something. True, and you guys had a lot of dead bodies yeah. back in the eighties, right? <laughs> and nineties, yeah, we kind of bled okay. into the nineties a little bit with like the bodies floating in the East River. Yeah, probably uh, biodegraded by now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, it's not that we cleaned it up; they just floated away or sank. <laughs> Uh, but that's what, how did you guys end up? Did you guys, so you, did you guys end up meeting in Chicago too? Yeah. 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 Um, how do we meet in Chicago? I don't know. I, I feel like there's like the easy answer is always like, yeah, we just got involved in music. But I feel like my, my first, I guess, memory of Michael is kind of, kind of a weird one, but <laughs> I'm open to hearing the weird memory. So <laughs> yeah, like basically I was, hooking up with this girl, which was Michael's ex-girlfriend. And, you know, I don't know, we're, we're hooking up and then, then like something's like banging on the window outside. And it's like Michael outside throwing snowballs at it. <laughs> and then she goes down and they, they have a whole fight. I don't know what any of it was about. But anyways, that was kind of like my first memory <laughs> of Michael. But at, at the time, I was just, you know, I wasn't doing music or anything. And I was just trying to DJ. I was like a bedroom DJ, just trying to play anywhere. I would send my demo tapes or demo mixtapes to everyone and no one wanted to book me. So then one day I knew Michael was throwing some parties. I was like, hey, uh, can I DJ one of your parties? And I never really asked him why he booked me. Why, why, why did you book me? Just because you had no one else or what? Yeah, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I... Every, I never like it was just like in this like basement art like this quote unquote art gallery in this basement um, and obviously I couldn't afford to pay DJs back then and we were just like trying to make rent for the place so I just never wanted to play for free basically and it was just like these crazy college parties like I don't even like even enough like the like the sound system was obviously like awful and it was just kind of an excuse for like college kids to get together and like party in a basement. <laughs> Yeah, they were ragers. It was yeah. the first time in doing anything is like almost like the sweetest and most fun. Even though like if I played that party today, I was like, no, this sucks. But <laughs> back then, man, it was epic. Even though my set didn't go well. But wait, why why do you why do you think your set didn't go well? Because <laughs> I was like trying to be a purist and like showing up with the vinyl, being that guy. And this bunch of, you know, art school kids getting drunk and everyone's like bumping into the table the needle would scratch and stop and then the guy came on after me plugged in his laptop and just like destroyed it oh. and from then on i was like man i'm doing this wrong yeah so, <laughs> then i kind of changed my methods Wait, so all right so aside from uh, michael aside from you booking him what like how did you like how did that transpire how did that transform from that party in a basement to you guys like producing music together. Well, it went from that to bigger parties and bigger basements, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. Where there was, there, there was like four of us and we kind of like started this little like collective and rented out this like abandoned bar to throw bigger parties in. And then uh, from there, we kind of got some notoriety. We like had some pretty cool people play like, after parties after their shows guys like justice and crystal castles and stuff back in the day 
And then we got a residency finally, um, like our own party on Thursday nights in Chicago and met with these other DJ producers and started just like working on music with them. It was kind of just like this community that we started building in Chicago together with a bunch of people. It was kind of a, a slow, it was a long process because it, it just started mm-hmm. out, at least for me, I had no goal because I had a day job at the time. Um, like I was trading on the auctions exchange in Chicago. And so I was just looking for something creative to do. And so I was trying a bunch of things. Like I, was, I took sculpture classes, salsa classes, art history classes, just looking for something to stick. And then, then I got introduced to DJing. And then, so then I became hooked. At that point, I just wanted to, to DJ. And I never even thought about, or I even even dreamed of like forming a group or producing or, or playing outside of Chicago or touring or anything like that. And so all that kind of just evolved over the many years of just, you know, what Michael's talking about. But initially it just started out as like, well, no one wants to book me, so let's throw our own parties. And so that's kind of how it began. And we started out as, as promoters. That's crazy. And we, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you now. So like, how did you end up doing options trading on the, on the exchange in Chicago? That's pretty much like my first job out of college. Yeah. I was like just applying to all these, uh, I don't know, I got interested in the stock market in college. But I read this one book, uh, I ran a walk down Wall Street. It was kind of fascinating because it was about all the historical cycles of, you know, bubbles and crashes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, this shit happens just over and over. Yeah. And obviously, this shit just happened in 2020. Uh, seems like every ten years this happened. Yeah, the last time was two thousand eight. Anyways, I got fascinated on like the just the history of it all. So then I just applied everywhere, and it was kind of like me trying to get a DJ set. Like, yeah, I just couldn't get a job, <laughs> and like the only offer I got was from this company, this trading company called Susquehanna, based out of Philadelphia, and it's basically started by a bunch of ex, maybe not ex, but. They were basically ex-poker players and gamblers <laughs> who saw some sort of uh, like arbitrage exploitation in the options market, like in the 80s or something. And that's how they made all their money. And then they started this company. And so they had this weird culture where like, they really pushed like, ga- game theory and gambling. So, yeah. like, part of my training was playing 100 hours of poker in their poker room in, in our office. So anyways, uh, after my training, they sent me to Chicago, and, and so I traded there for, for a while, and then that, then I got involved in music later on, and did both for maybe a year or two. Basically, didn't sleep the whole time. Jeez. I just, I just remember, like, <laughs> Thursday nights, we'd have this residency, play that, play this after show, and then go back to Lewis's apartment and, like, party all night, and then somehow he would, like, work the next day. <laughs> 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 And the nice part about the trading floor is just like, it's not professional. Like yeah. you show up, you know, I could have crazy hair and, and, uh, you know, I'd show up hungover, yeah. drunk, like smelling like booze a lot. But, you know, since I'm trading in a pit, yeah, I'm trading with my competitors. So I'm not working actually next to, ne- next to my, my boss or coworkers. So they wouldn't know if I was like drunk or hungover or anything like that. Or maybe they knew, but. <laughs> Yeah. As well, long as you're making money, they didn't care. <laughs> I guess the one takeaway too is did you end up getting like are you good at poker now too? Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I guess I was interested in kind of like blackjack and like I was more into gambling when I was in college. Yeah. That's why this job was really cool. Yeah. But I feel like with anything, once you do it too much, it kind of loses its appeal. So I, I kind of like made lost interest in in like uh a lot of casino games yeah after after my time there <laughs> well it's funny i gotta i gotta imagine like when you guys like you know if you go to like play vegas and things like you're just gonna be like i'm gonna go hit the floor for a little bit and just kind of like you know stretch your and, arms yeah actually because you know we we play in casinos <laughs> yeah. like, we play in uh those boat those cruise festivals yeah yeah, yeah. Casinos there. and um me and michael have uh thrown some money 
<laughs> lost, lost somebody. <laughs> what was it? Lost our whole DJ fee on the yeah. post. Well, I was gonna say too is like, do you? Is that mean you help Michael along, or do you just kind of leave him to, to on his own to just make his own decisions, and you're just kind of tipping the scale in your direction? No, when we're at a cruise festival, we're just like partying and like, oh, we're like drunk. Let's do, there's a casino here. There's no. There's no like uh, game theory. <laughs> Sometimes I like forget and ask the like the dealer. It's like, what, what's the right move I should do? Here? <laughs> uh, I, I love how I love how you, like you had all this massive training and like probably like deeper knowledge than than the average person. But then the one time you actually get to play is like when you're completely hammered and drunk and ha- can't like all that goes out the window anyway. <laughs> exactly. uh, so wait, so. And you're like you mentioned it before too, but like your collective autograph like used to be a little bit bigger, right? There were a few more people in in the group collective. Like, what, like what do you guys still consider it now? There were three of us when we started it, yeah. And it was kind of started as more of like this idea of we wanted to do something just different, essentially. So both on the musical front and on the party front, and on like making art as a group together. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of this this experiment i think when we first started not really expecting it to become as big as it did and for us to be touring but yeah i guess things kind of just worked themselves out and here we are today um it's pretty awesome call this a job yeah (laughs) Yeah, when we had the the other group before autograph i think because michael had a background in art and jake the original member he uh went to art school for sculpture and painting so they just wanted to make some art and I didn't know anything about art. I was just like, cool. I'll just like do some art, learn some, some stuff from you guys. That's pretty awesome. So I think initially it was, it was like the art angle and the music kind of came later. I remember turning my parents' garage into an art studio and building this giant like eight foot, five foot wide soup can that weighed like probably 500 pounds for... <laughs> Our first show is autograph. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I get, I guess in theory, like when I, everyone I talk to and it, you know, and it, it sounds like you guys are in the same camp, like the, the producers who, who tend to take music as more of an art form. Um, it is an art form. Like, I mean, there are people who don't treat it like an art form necessarily, but if you treat it like an art form, it can absolutely be an art form. And I, and I feel like maybe, uh, Given the actual art background of you guys, of like everyone involved here, um, you guys definitely lean into that a lot, a lot more than most. Yeah, I feel like we kind of. I know recently, Michael's been doing a lot more art, and I know for a while, like when the music, it seemed like music kind of just took over the project for a good couple of years. You know, when we started touring and all that. I got, you know what's funny is like especially doing this podcast in general. Um, <clears throat> like the one good thing is like everyone, a lot of people already have like their own home studios anyway. And then going into this being completely remote, um, it hasn't been really a problem of like being like, Oh, Hey, they, does, does whoever we're talking to have like a high quality, like good microphone? It's like, Oh yeah, of course they have a home studio. <laughs> so most people we've been talking to have like, you know, have like their, their things built out. I, there was uh, someone I talked to, I forget who it was a couple months ago. We, we were all scheduled and, and ready to get jump on. And he jumped on. He's like, you know what? Uh, your mic sounds way better than mine. Can we reschedule so I can buy a new microphone? <laughs> and he oh, ordered sure. a new microphone. Cause he was like, I want to be on the same level as you. I want it to sound as good. Uh, but you guys sound, no, you guys sound fine now. So um, I'm I'm using my computer, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm using some Apple earbuds. Yeah, no, but it's We're funny. Very high tech. <laughs> no, but believe it or not, like especially the, like the Apple, like the earpods, like they actually they sound a lot better than you would expect. I think they just do a lot of like noise canceling. Yeah, actually, before we did an overseas trip where we had a 20 hour flight, and we had to make some mixtapes and finish up some production work, and we usually don't work on the airplane like that. And we're like, all right, let's quickly buy these new noise canceling AirPods. You know, I hear they're like amazing, and they were they were bad. Yeah, I was like, damn. Because <laughs> actually, we used that, and then over it, we put on those like construction earmuffs. Oh yeah, that combination on an airplane, like yeah, it's like golden. It's awesome. 
yeah you can produce on there fine i think that's a, that's a good question too is like how do you guys produce like especially being i mean you used to be a, a trio and now you guys are a duo but like how do you like do you have like your own kind of uh like 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 you're the way you guys will bounce back and forth the tracks or like does one person work on it and work on certain things like what's your process for that it's kind of it changes all the time um i think for this album we we actually spent more time together like at least in the later stages of the song a lot of times it would be like one person starts something and kind of just takes the lead with that and the other person kind of just gives feedback along the way but this this time we made more of an effort. I don't even know if it was an effort. You know what it was? It's actually Michael became kind of obsessed and maybe even more interested in learning how to build a studio than actually working in a studio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he built this really dope studio at his place. And I was just, we were just over there a lot together. And then, so like we were finishing up a lot of the album, like just in the room because it just sounded great. And so, so a lot of times a track would get to a certain point and then and then we'd just be working in the studio together and you know a lot of times the second person would just be not necessarily like active on the other person's you know they're just kind of in the background maybe just like if they had some, some something to say they would say it but that's kind of yeah at least that's how it's worked this year with the since we moved to california michael built that studio yeah, Michael, wait, what's what's like your crown jewel of your new studio then? Um let's see. I think a lot of it was just trying to get it to sound good in the actual studio. So just all the treatment we did. And surprisingly, the vocal booth is really awesome there because for some reason the building that we had rented had already like a two-foot brick wall that went like in a U-shape. So it was like perfect for building out this like awesome vocal booth. And then vocal booth's completely like rock wool and then fabric over that so it's got a really awesome vocal booth for like a like yeah for a studio that you know would have probably cost like a lot more to build if it wasn't for that that's awesome like it's it's always awesome when it kind of falls into place like that especially like when it comes to audio because it's not you know you have to actually like put some effort into it and especially when you're doing vocals too did you record all the vocals for the album in your studio there no, actually. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually. <laughs> did we record anyone there? I'm trying to think. Um, we did a take with Janelle, but that wasn't the one we ended up using. Yeah, it's not. Um, yeah, we did a lot of scratch. Uh, we did. Too. If You Never Loved Me, we recorded there. Okay. Um, that's the thing, too. So who who does the... Do you guys do the singing, too, on like the reference tracks? No. Uh, no. I mean, I was <laughs> Uh, yeah, to be honest, we're not huge into vocals. Yeah. We joke about it sometimes where <laughs> we don't even realize like, the lyrics sometimes. Yeah. Um, I guess because uh, we always work with singers, right? And so a lot of times a singer will either already have a vocal or we have a track and you know we'll work with them or even just send them the track. And a lot of times we do work remotely. I don't know, maybe because we're like introverts. <laughs> But we do work remotely a lot, even like me and Michael, maybe prior to the last two years. Um, So, yeah, I think a lot of it is just like talking to vocalists, singers and just going back and forth that way. Yeah. But I feel I feel like the like in general, like especially like electronic music in general has pretty much lived on like, you know passing tracks and and uh sessions via like dropbox for like the past you know i don't know years i mean it's a lot of years like yeah. a lot of it yeah i think maybe people that come from more of a traditional band background thinks it's a little weird but i guess you, you kind of look at the roots of electronic music and house music it's all sample based so they're used to just grabbing a vocal sample chopping it up and running with it and uh i mean don't get me wrong there's plenty of producers out there in electronic that work with vocalists very you know intimately but you know there's plenty who don't as well the- and uh i mean we, we've done writing sessions like we did one in, in nashville where 
what did we do? We did like seven sessions with 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 the singers and writers, and and we we got some good good top lines from that. We haven't actually finished any of them yet, but but yeah, maybe that's for our next album. So maybe the next album will be one actually where the process is different because yeah, we we do have like five or about seven vocals that we haven't we did it in a different way where we actually worked with the vocalist together also sometimes i think the pressure of having a vocalist in the room with you doesn't let you like zone in on little things that you want to be changing you kind of like have to get their vocals out and like figure out you know kind of the progression and melody and don't have time to like focus in on some of the other stuff if they're sitting in the room because it's not like probably interesting to them to see you there like working on like some drum compression and stuff but like they're like let's get like this song going yeah maybe for me it's a little bit of an insecurity thing like just working with other people in a room i don't know i feel like my process is very random it's just like oh i just do something until something sounds good so it's, it's not like i feel like when a lot of people as a producer they expect you to like i don't know like recreate a certain sound like on the fly yeah, which a lot of people can do, but that hasn't been like my style necessarily, and and so I, yeah, I think having someone else in there in the room is like just added pressure, and just when you can just take a vocal, sit with it by yourself, and just fuck with it, and you know, look up some music theory things because you're not like really awesome at music theory. <laughs> Is that like, can't do that when someone sits next to you, you know? Is that like, you just like feel insecure? So like in the corner, like you know, in incognito mode, just like googling music theory and like, exactly, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do feel like in that Nashville session, like it seems like uh, singers, top line writers, they have like a different skill set, and it does seem like well, maybe not all of them, but some of them do are really good with like music theory. And like some of them would just like grab a acoustic guitar and just be like, yeah, going at it. And yeah, you're just jamming, jamming. Yeah, <laughs> just like humming, humming nonsense words while they're playing guitar, which is really cool to watch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't think that you know we, we were DJs first, you know. So yeah, just like kind of. Oh, but that's what I was gonna say too. Is like I, I think you know everyone gets that imposter syndrome of like, oh wow, I don't know, what, like exactly. they're gonna figure me out. <laughs> <laughs> my whole life has been imposter syndrome like, yeah. especially coming from like trading and finance yeah like i felt like i never belonged and then one day i was like okay yeah maybe i'm a dj <laughs> and then, okay maybe i do produce yeah but, like i think yeah it's completely normal this whole that's why i tell everyone to fake it till you make it because i feel yeah. like my whole life has been like that oh yeah and that's i think that's the thing too is like you know everyone has that imposter syndrome and then you know, and that's why, like, you kind of carry that with you. Like, like you're expecting someone to walk up to you, and be like, "Oh, so where did you study, Juilliard?" And then it's like, "No, I, I worked on the trading floor in Chicago, trading options. I can play, I can play, you know, uh, poker really well." Um, <laughs> but, but no, I, 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 the thing is, like, everyone has their own, like, like you know, like there were a few guys, like even like Dead Mouse. Like you watch him, like he's done his live streams and 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 stuff. Like you can just watch him, just kind of poke around, you know, plugging wires into. Uh, his synths and just pl- you know playing around until he finds a sound he likes and be like all right cool let me play with that and just like you know start touching keys and a lot of guys are like that you don't necessarily necessarily need to know music the- theory down to be able to like just you know mess with some chords and find a melody that that strikes you that's why like cashmere i feel like everyone loves them as a like youtube tutorial production guy you know because he's just he's like real about it like he's like okay, basically all the music theory I've learned was from this website Hook Theory. Just go through their courses and just keep it up as notes, and you'll make some pretty good dope hooks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and at the same time he says, you know, I have no shame in like still today like finding some random kid's YouTube on how to recreate, you know, the Medusa synth or something like right. that. Like he's <laughs> he's like always. You know, I feel like people expect if you're at a certain level as a musician or producer, you have a certain amount of streams, you tour, that you should just know all this shit. And that you sh- shouldn't be still, you know, trying to learn on YouTube. So. Yeah. No, but I think, I, I don't think, I don't think you should ever feel like, uh, like imposter syndrome there. I think that's completely normal. 
Um, I think everyone else feels the imposter syndrome with you. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. But well, there are the guys out there who are just like phenoms. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like crazy musicians. <laughs> But I, I guess maybe the point is that like anyone can do this. Like you don't, I, I was always intimidated by music because I didn't have a music background, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like anyone can do it. Anyone can do anything really. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that that's the, that's a good thing though. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, I also, by the way, I love the new album, by the way, I know that's a really like cliche thing to, <laughs> to say. Um, but no, I, and that was, I was going to ask you too, is like the, there, there's definitely a, I don't want to, I don't want to throw out my own guesses, but I definitely feel like there is a consistent sound or vibe to the, the entire album, like ac- across the entire tracks, like a consistent, um, kind of feel to it i was kind of curious if, if you guys actually if that came from somewhere or if it was just just that's your sound i think it really just chronicled what we were doing at that point in our lives and kind of like telling that story of everything happening so i think just from that you know it creates a similar vibe but some of the songs do deviate like songs like undivided were very much more like club tracks and whatnot yeah, i think there there is a common theme sonically in the sense that we were doing a lot more DJ sets at the time. And so we were in like places with nice sound systems. And so we wanted to make music that is obviously more affordable floor, more like up-tempo club music, but also still autograph. I, I, I do think we did, it is, I feel like this album is probably more melodic. Yeah. Some of our past stuff. And I, I think we just, got more interested in creating melodies you know in the past it felt like more work yeah (laughs) like and this time it was actually kind of fun to like try and make melodies you know so um i think everything you make is always a a result of what you're kind of interested in at the time whether it's like the percussion or the melodies so uh, at least for me I, I i i was enjoying making melodies for this for this album you mentioned you guys were, were touring at that point like when 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 did you guys produce this like when did you start producing it and it started two i think the first song lewis started two christmases ago wow the end of, like, end of yeah. 2018 yeah was the first song started and that song didn't actually get finished until it was the last song that was finished recently it was about Walk with you with Janelle Kroll. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say actually, out of that entire, out of the entire album, um, that was that one stood out to me. Like I think that is like a really polished track. Not that, 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 there's nothing I can say that's gonna make this sound like I'm not digging myself out of a hole. Uh, it, it, no, out of the entire album, is the one that stuck out to me is like you know, like again, my background, but like a radio hit. Like it sounded like something like you know that would. Uh, that was yeah it was like it, it seemed it sounded sounded like the tent pole of the track of the album if that makes any sense it's the only non-house track on there also like or i guess it's still house but it's lower bpm it was written it was finished after you know covid and quarantine and all that so i don't think it was aimed as much for like a dance floor type song as some of the other ones yeah i was gonna say too i i didn't know if that was if that was a contributing factor to the album it's like you know working remotely in covid and then you know uh producing stuff in kind of a bubble um but did it did are most of the tracks like back from like produced back in like 2019 or did you produce a bunch during this kind of quarantine uh they're from before because the album was actually originally going to come out while we were on tour back in like march april yeah and everything got pushed back and it was gonna be 10 tracks and kind of that 11th track got on there because that's the one we finished up after that. Yeah, so that's that was the the quarantine song. Yeah. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which it's it's if you listen to it, it's more different than everything else on the Yeah. Album. And I was going to say, um, too, like, especially for how important touring is and especially like, you know, everything we've talked about so far about how kind of 
core like playing to a live crowd is to you guys like this has got to be like a have to have been like a really difficult period for you guys you know there there were some blessings in disguise there because we were no because we were like we were touring nonstop and like playing multiple shows a week and it was go 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 and i don't think there was ever a point where we really took a step back and was like you know looking at what we were doing and you know i think it really gave us the time to be more introspective about ourselves and Kind of pursue some other hobbies outside of playing shows and music and i think that was mentally healthy for us in a way yeah. i think a lot of other touring artists felt the same way because it was actually like this one big vacation that everyone got to have like when else is, is this ever going to happen <laughs> yeah like never you know it's yeah like 2020 is such a unique year i don't think we'll ever experience this again yeah and Basically, it forced everyone to stop yeah. what they were doing. Because everyone gets caught up in, in the, whole, the whole circus of it. Just like, you know, once you get to a certain level, you can't stop. You got to keep touring. You got to keep making music. You got to keep, you know, having interview obligations like yeah. this and like promotional obligations. And it gets to be crazy and it gets to be a lot. And that's why a lot of people break down and, you know, bad things happen. But I think this break was good for a lot of people. I'm not saying it's good for everyone because yeah. it's also tough, like just being so isolated. Um, for me personally, I have a pretty easy time being isolated, just from a personality standpoint. But I know plenty of other people who are maybe more extroverted, yeah, like who are really struggling. But for me, I looked at okay, this is an opportunity. When else are we going to have an opportunity just to like not tour and just do something else? and just you know tend to my succulents and plants yeah, and <laughs> yeah. For michael he picked up carpentry <laughs> really yeah built some tables and stuff oh man i want to know more about the tables now i mean for, for what it's worth like most of this podcast is us talking about everything but music um, so i'm more i'm a lot more interested in everyone's hobbies than i am like the, the music you guys are always talking about everywhere else um but uh, but and b- b- but before I go there, because I'm definitely going to ask you questions about your succulents and your carpentry. Um, in general, like I, I guess, like is there an expectation that you guys are going to want to go back to like? Because you're absolutely right. And we, we, I've talked to so many people on this on this podcast about how insane like just the expectations are of like touring or playing residencies and things, and especially in in you know, uh, in dance music. Uh, but everyone's kind of like, all right, well, this is, you're right. Like this has been like a one kind of isolated weird year. And then it's like, well, coming out of this, is everyone just going to want to jump back into the way things were or kind of take it a little easier and kind of take it a different direction. So, um, have you guys thought about like what it's going to be like on the other side of this? Yeah, I think it'd be nice to be able to take it easier and just really explore some of the places we go more and have time in those places like instead of doing like four shows back to back in four different cities and going to the show club flight jump out you know like if you could spend a day or two in a city and really get to explore what that city has to offer um in terms of the shows though it's it's interesting because we play this drive-in show and i would say like a year ago if we played that show i'd be like this kind of sucks you know like (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's not like is interactive you don't really feel the vibe as much but then like playing it after not playing shows for so long it was so hype and so much fun and you know so i'm telling you when, when people are going crazy right now they're ready to party so yeah. <laughs> i think no matter what it is like this weekend we're doing a rooftop outdoor rooftop table service only where you, you have to come with your group it's only like 90 people or something like that small yeah. but I know it's going to be a great time because people are just, they're down to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's cool because, you know, we don't have a lot of these. So like, we're just going to take a leisurely stroll up the coast. We're going to drive there and, and, you know, we're just going to enjoy it because for a while there, we just show up, play, leave, go yeah. to the city. And it's really nice now. Like we've been taking some road trips. Yeah. To kind of cool. play some of these things. So. Went to Joshua Shree and shot the live stream we just put out. And like that was a, a fun, different experience getting to like DJ in the middle of the desert out there. Yeah. Yeah. We did cool yoga like with that. And like we've been doing just different, different things, you know? Yeah. I, think, I feel like the great part of all this bad shit that's happening is like 
humans can adapt. Like we have such great imaginations. Like there's a lot of cool things going on right now. Like like we we've done a couple of these uh like yoga DJ sets, which have been a lot of fun. Like one of them was on the Chicago River, kind of like in the architecture store. But we were just I was doing yoga, my girlfriend was DJing. Yeah. And his girlfriend was uh she's a yoga instructor, she was leading the class. And then we did that in Joshua Tree as as well. So it like for me personally, it was nice being on the other side. Yeah. I was doing yoga, <laughs> listening to our album <laughs> as Michael was playing it. And I was experiencing the music in a completely different way. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. Like, I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I mean, obviously I was like outside, it was beautiful and I was doing yoga. So yeah. But so that was cool. Just yeah. new experiences. 2020 is full of just new experiences. See, now you have to combine the two and you have to do the architecture tour while you guys DJ at the same <laughs> yeah. time. That's the next That's the next step in all of this. Yeah, well, we pretty much did through. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did, actually. Yeah. It's almost the same thing if you yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but wait. Off the back of a boat down the river. Yeah. Uh, I got Michael, I got to ask you now. Uh, what? Tell me about the table you built now. So did, have you always, or was this like your first foray into like, like, playing with wood and like making something no because i back i came from like an art background and um we previously like even for all our live shows we've always built the stage setups for them and wired the lighting ourselves and kind of controlled all aspects of that so we're very like diy in that sense as a group but uh but i think because i wasn't building like sets and like setting up lighting for our shows and stuff i started building some other stuff and uh my girlfriend and i kind of this succulent table it's a coffee table with a bunch of succulents in the center of it and kind of documented the process and got a lot of crazy like reactions online to it and stuff so it was cool to do. It went vi- michael went viral yeah. on tiktok that's <laughs> yeah, like, like two million views now <laughs> that's awesome well as a suckling guy not as a suckling yeah. guy yeah, not not a a yeah. So, so yeah <laughs> You know, change careers again for like the fourth yeah. time and just yeah, go that's into funny because like my girlfriend and I have a TikTok account that's not music related at all. It's like about building things and planting stuff and like there's videos with like millions of views on there yeah. unrelated <laughs> to anything. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, we have an autograph TikTok. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that no one cares. <laughs> but they care about Michael's succulents and, and, and carpentry. Yeah. Well, Lewis, what are you getting into? well it was oh man quarantine was weird for me i got really obsessed with the stock market really because like i was telling you like the reason i got into it like was because of that one book yeah telling you about the historical uh cycles yeah and i was like oh my god 2020 is one of these like banner years like 2008 or like 19 29 you know like the yeah bash of 29 all the stuff i was like i was just eating it all up like not only just the markets but just geopolitically and i was just looking at all the historical implications yeah and i just went into this crazy rabbit hole for this i, didn't, whole I didn't see lewis or talk to him for like three months <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was, it was it was bad i i pretty much lost a girlfriend over it oh no yeah so but i snapped out of it and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> you break even? <laughs> um, I, it was probably a waste of time, I would say. But I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot. So yeah. No, nothing is a waste of time. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I didn't lose money. Yeah. But I, I feel like I probably would have made more if I did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the first person I've heard that that that's done that. Like just sitting there being like, you know, like trading Zoom stock back and forth, depending on which way the... You know, like, oh, is there a cure for COVID? Cool, like the stock's gonna drop, but it's, it's, you know, short it like right now. Just you know, get out of there. Um, everyone became addicted to yeah. the stock market because they just gave everyone stimulus checks, and no one had a job. There was no sports. It's like, what are people supposed to do? Yeah, there's no entertainment, no sports, nothing. Like, except you have this money, you have this crazy casino. Yeah, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people got caught up with it. Yeah, but then when people went back to work, people kind of stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I like how like you just isolated yourself, and that was the thing too, is because the album was done, right? Like you guys didn't really have like a lot of work to do, really, unless you guys wanted to work on like the next next album. Um, there was definitely a lot of work. It's I feel like the end part of an actually the end part of a song 
kind of takes a long time. Yeah. Like between like the mastering, you know, I feel like, I don't know, there's just so many tweaks and I feel like the, the last five to 10% of a song actually takes way longer than the rest. Yeah. But now since, since everything got delayed with the album release, did that leave you guys with like more time to mull over the sound of tracks and just be like, well, let's take more time on it. Or you just locked it and left it alone until yeah. October. Cause at, at that point it's like more about edits, like kind of like, especially working with your record label, like they have certain opinions on like what's better for radio in terms of an edit. Like apparently they just want short songs. Yeah. And like, how do we make this shorter? And it's like, three drops for three courses. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just weird. So I, I don't know. I feel a lot of it is just tweaking that going back and forth and tweaking the mix and tweaking the master. And that stuff takes a long time. I don't know. It's weird. Cause then, then you're like referencing it on a, that's another rabbit hole you can go down forever. Cause then you can start referencing it on every single speaker you have. Yeah. And I don't know if it's necessary or not, but the, the, all that, really takes a long time i it's it's really weird like over the years we've talked about that and like in in me working in radio like i i had like one of like the vets like veteran radio programmers tell me once like hey you gotta have like a you know like a like an old like alarm clock radio in your office too just so you can hear what the music Mm -hmm. sounds like on that and i'm like i I can just use my imagination like i don't really need to go that down that far like it's not like someone's going to hear it on a you know crappy sony flip digit clock radio and not like the song but then hear it in their car and like it instead like it's i it's you know but to your point yeah like it it does almost feel like cheating when you're listening to stuff on like studio reference monitors and then you know like you're gonna hear it better than anyone is ever is gonna is ever gonna hear that track um so but i I don't think it's that much of a difference so if it's the the biggest reference though is just doing like airpods now yeah like making sure it sounds good on those yeah or your MacBook. Yeah, yeah, your phone or Mac. That's really important. Yeah. I think phones and cars, it really comes down to how OCD you are. Yeah. You know, because at some point you, you try one car, you're like, well, let me try someone else's car. You yeah. Know? And it, it, there's no end to that, basically. And that's why deadlines are nice. Because really a song is never done until it's like actually turned in. Yeah. And there yeah, is the there is there is a whole different feeling too of like just driving around and listening to your track. Like once you think you've got it locked, of just like getting in the car and and listening to it, just like well, just driving and trying not to pay attention to the music and let it just be a listener all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, I like to do that. Like just pop it on and go work on something. And it's weird how you notice things that you didn't notice before when you do that. It's weird how the brain works. Like when you're paying attention, a hundred percent, using that prefrontal cortex, yeah. <laughs> and you think you're paying attention to everything, but then when you work, you know, you're working on something else, your subconscious hears something, you know, your conscious didn't hear. You're like, what? What the hell? I didn't hear that. Uh, Weird. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, after the album, now, like, what are you guys gonna do next? I mean, obviously the world is kind of still in a little bit of flux, but you said like there are some gigs you guys are doing, like making the best of, you know, lockdowns and social distancing and stuff. But is it, is everything sort of up in the air or you guys have like something like sort of in mind, the direction you got, you want to go. I think in touring, it's kind of just up in the air with what opens up and what's allowed and stuff. So I guess we'll just see maybe, I know there's a lot of festivals going on in like Mexico next year. Uh, be cool to do some of those I think um, kind of these getaway festivals they sound really our vibe too so be excited for some of those and then musically you know probably start working on the next album or a couple new singles and stuff to put out early next year yeah we have maybe 10 songs we've started I'd say for the next album so we're thinking about well I mean not we are thinking I think that we want to do an album yeah. Um, albums are fun. I don't know what took took us so long. It's crazy. This is our first album. We've yeah. been a group for so long. And yeah, I, I think the goal is it's an ambitious one to have an album out next year. So we'll see if we can do that. I mean, if you if you already have you're already working on ten songs already, and 
you're not bogged down by having to tour right now. Like you guys, you have a little bit of leeway. Like it's not, it's not impossible. Right. Yeah. It depends. I guess it depends on the focus. Yeah. The the work, the motivation, all that. Yeah. But also I get at the same time too, even though it is your first actual like full album, you know, uh, off the singles you guys have had before, like it's gotta be a little bit different too, because you can't like, you're not playing it in front of crowds to kind of gauge and like walk away and feel like, all right, well that's, that's how people felt about that song. And this is how people felt about this track. But it's a little bit in the beginning because the tour started where it was pretty much playing the album song, like a live singer and everything. And we had like the setup with like the artwork and stuff, synced to the music. It was really cool. But yeah, I, I guess the other thing too, is like even talking about like touring in general, it's, um, the fact that you guys didn't have a like the the fact that your touring schedule before just had take took you from place to place to place real quick you didn't have time to like enjoy the spots um other places that like going back now you're just like ah well, well once we hit we hit that city again we kind of like try to spend a little bit more time there and actually enjoy it <laughs> dude like for sure like very pretty much the very first show yeah the chicago one yeah i was there and we were in Chicago not, we were there last year, but I don't really remember it. We didn't really do much. And then this time in Chicago, I was like a walk down memory lane for me. Like I was just going to like all my old favorite spots and just, I don't know, it was just different because it was so long since we had a show and that uh, I was just like being a tourist again. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, we were here in Chicago last summer. I didn't do any of this. I didn't want to do any of this. I didn't have these same nostalgic feelings. So it's, I think that's the nice part of, you know, it's been an eye-opening experience in 2020. Michael, what about you? Is there any, any cities that like you kind of want to go back to that you feel like you didn't get a chance to? You know, I'm, I'm kind of excited for this drive back up the coast because I went, I've already actually kind of done this twice during quarantine. because I did a live stream in San Francisco and a live stream in Lake Tahoe, but both times the drive back was like, we got to stop a bunch and kind of just, drive down along the coast and spend some time. So I'm excited to do that again this coming weekend, actually. That's a really, that's a, that's probably my favorite drive in all the U S is that LA to San Francisco drive. Do you, do you like, do you go inland or do you try to stick along like the actual coast coast, like PCH? Yeah. So going up there, I like, we tried to like make better time and we went like inland, but coming back, we took our time and just went along the PCH, which is, that's, that's the one to do to drive back down to PCH. It's a little scary. (laughs) (laughs) there are some scary parts to it yeah yeah i I, when i was like 20 i took a college road trip up the coast and uh had a pretty crazy car accident really so like i'm always scared of that that drive um it ended up ended up flipping this like ford mustang convertible like three three times or five times on the ran and that was before, you know, the cliffy part. Is that even a word, cliffy part? <laughs> <laughs> the cliffy part. The cliffy part oh. of the road. Yeah. Cliff. So, like, now, I, I don't know. I get a little nervous when we, uh, when we do that drive. Jeez, how old so, were you when that happened? I was, like, 20. Jeez. Yeah, 20. Damn, where were you? Where were you? I, I'm sorry, I'm getting real detailed here, but, like, where were you in the car? when that? Like, that's insane. I was driving. You were driving. Okay. I'm like, I, the way you said it made it sound like you were a passenger. Yeah. I wish I was a passenger. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. That's, that's a, that's a pretty intense. That's yeah. That's it. That's pretty intense. Yeah, it was. It's like one of those life changing experiences. Like after that, I like, turned into total hippie. Yeah. Like we just kept going on that road trip and, and, uh, maybe that's why I had a hard time getting, a job out of college because I was still in that hippie mindset. And like when people would interview me, my answers would be very like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would just be like more about like the meaning of life. Yeah. Questions. Like this like, job like, isn't important. Like you understand, like living life exactly. is important. Yeah. I would like talk about like what's really important in life. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to hear that. Like, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
that's insane. Well, I'm, I mean, I, I guess it pushed you in the right direction to be more artistic and uh, brought you to this point. So that's a positive. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a positive for sure. It made me really just cherish life and every moment and people and relationships, my family and, and everything. I remember afterwards, like writing my dad this postcard, like, where, where, you know, my parents are Vietnamese. They're like, I co- it's kind of the upbringing where they really never told me they loved me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wrote this like really heartfelt uh, letter to him. You know, he told me about it later. It's like he made him cry and all these things. So I was like, yeah, it was, I don't know. The, the, I mean, when, when you think you're going to die, because we spent the night in the emergency room, it, it was, but we weren't injured that bad. Yeah. Um, but I don't know when those, when those things happen to you, it's just like, it really makes you reflect on what's important. So yeah. I, I almost feel like it's sad that we need those reminders every so often. And it sucks that you need something traumatic to really wake you up sometimes. Oh, no, no I, I say it all the time, man. Like, I think like, you know, sometimes you kind of need to like a, a really odd example, but the way I've, I've been able to kind of explain it to people is, um, over here on the East Coast, like Hurricane Sandy, like, you know, uh, the the silly Jersey Shore, you know, like, like, you know, Snooky and the rest of them, like the Seaside Heights, New Jersey, which is where that whole thing took place. Like I grew up going there and like the place had just kind of rotted into the ground over the years and it just became like this just like it was it was just run down. Right. It was like falling apart and um, and it was becoming kind of seedy. And then uh, and then Hurricane Sandy hit and then like oh, destroyed half of it. And they had to rebuild and then like they rebuilt it and the places like like the people living there have a higher quality of life now because there was this terrible thing that happened that wiped the place clean and they had to rebuild from it. And they had all this money because people were coming in from, you know, watching the MTV and like wanting to go see the Jersey Shore. So all of a sudden all this money's rolling in to the town um, and the place gets rebuilt. And, and, and like so sometimes you need a hurricane. Sometimes you need those like little uh, sometimes you need, you know like look at this year, like how it's kind of changed people's perspectives on things. Um, so yeah, sometimes I think, you know, people just need that as a kind of a wake up call, but, um, but yeah, yeah I think like, just it's positive like forest fire, you know, yeah. like the natural kind that kind of just resets the ecosystem. See, I'm going to use that one for now on because the Jersey shore reference, like no one ever gets. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Jersey. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. It's I mean, a good one. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> don't use it. Stick with, stick with the forest fire reference. That's a lot more, a better analogy. Is that the hurricane where like New York was just underwater? Yeah. 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 I mean, oh, yeah. the reason I don't say anything about New York is because New York is still just crappy and like as, as dirty as you guys remember it. So um, it's nothing was fixed in New York after that. But the Jersey Shore, there's a new place to buy, you know, Philly cheesesteaks on the on the boardwalk. So, um, but. Hell yeah. I love cheesesteaks. <laughs> God. Oh, man. I would love a cheesesteak. I, I don't eat like gluten anymore, but. Oh, really? I did. Cheesesteak. Wow. Like me and Michael would kill those when we go <laughs> yeah. touring in Philadelphia. You get, there's another be... progression with musicians. They start out like eating really unhealthy, like yeah. going to every city and eating like the best thing they have. Yeah. And then they all turn into like crazy vegans. And yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Detox the rest of their life after like yeah. the short window of just eating everything. Um, but you, I mean, you could do like, you could do like, gluten-free cheesesteaks it just you know it has to be on like you know like a i guess a wrap or something right technically like going to gym yeah <laughs> <laughs> they don't offer gluten-free at gyms. uh yeah I, I i mean you have to bring your own like you know and just like shove it off shovel it off the sandwich but i mean it's possible <laughs> Ooh, technically yeah <laughs> With your own bread. Yeah. Uh, Y-O-B. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, I, I can't thank you enough. It's been a lot of fun to, to like talk to you about like everything. Um, and, uh, and congrats on the album. It sounds amazing. And like I said, I've been listening to it for the past couple of days. Um, and I'm really into it and I wish you guys the best with it. And, uh, hopefully, um, you guys can keep doing more, uh, boat tours and yoga <laughs> events and all these like fun things it's it's it, what's funny about that stuff is too it, it's it I, and this is what i love about like this time period right now as everyone's like you know can't do what they used to do and can't do festivals is everyone's being really creative and trying like way different new things 
And I think that's a lot more fun than just the same old festival we already know. I miss those festivals, don't get me wrong, but it's really awesome to see all the creativity out there. I completely agree. Yeah. And, and yeah, thank you. We're excited. So, excited about life. Cool. Michael Lewis, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Tony. A lot of fun talking to those guys. And by the way, if you haven't heard the new album, The Ace of You, go check that out. Uh, thank you, Michael and Lewis Autograph, for doing that. A lot of fun. Thank you to the team at Armada for helping set that up. Thank you to my producer, Dale. Thank you to our editor, Steph. And by the way, this is the premiere episode of our third season. They're short seasons. You haven't missed that much. But third season, nonetheless. Thank you for the support. Really appreciate it. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please go do that right now. Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or 128podcast.com. We have all the links over there. I am Tommy West. I will see you next time.